Hey everybody. Hey everyone. This is Zach. This is Stuart. And this is a book club episode. Uh, some of my very favorite episodes to do. Yeah. <laughs> this, this one Same. is on um, Stephen King's 1984 novel, The Eyes of the Dragon. All those eyes. Um, and I, 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 th- I can't remember the timeline for when he got clean. I think that he was still like yacked to the gills. Oh, when he wrote this? When he wrote this, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, because if it was published in 84, it probably would have been written a, a couple of years earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or maybe it was it was written and released to kind of keep him on a release schedule while he was getting cleaned up. Like, I, mm-hmm. I feel like that's probably more the timeline because, um, to be honest, this one doesn't feel 100% like a Stephen King novel. It doesn't. It, it definitely doesn't. It doesn't have that kind of that horror aspect that he's so familiar with. Um, it definitely feels more token-esque. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and and I want to say that I read somewhere at one point, I can't remember, I, I, I don't see it on the Wikipedia page that I have up, mm-hmm. but um, I, I think that kind of like The Hobbit, this was originally intended as a story for his kids. For his kids, uh, Obviously, yeah. not when they were, you know, children like, because they would have been kids when when he wrote this mm-hmm. um but yeah it, it was originally titled the napkins which is why those oh. those factors so heavily in the huh. of, yeah of the story um escaping. yeah yeah well and and then i the 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 story itself i think was intended as a short story and so yeah this was just, much of a, a long read for me um, yeah, it's very short. Yeah, and again, Stephen King, um, I know that I've mentioned this in previous book reports that we've done, but uh, I find Stephen King's writing very um, easy to read, very accessible. Yeah. And uh, I think that it's even greater in this one, where I feel like, yeah, it was meant for his kids, so it is um, quite an easy read. Yeah, I mean, it has the things in it, like, you, you see it in, if you've ever read Princess Bride. Um, yes, yes, the, yes, I got a lot of Princess vibes from, or yeah. Princess Bride vibes from it. Well, like, you, you, you say that three times. <laughs> Princess Bride vibes, yeah, yeah. That, that's a tricky, tricky tongue twister. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like, you, you have things that, that are more reminiscent of that, or like other fairy tales and stuff like that, where the, the narrator is actually addressing yeah, it's, it's like an omnipresent sort of narrator. Um, it, it, it really kind of feels like Stephen King himself is narrating this thing. Kind of, kind of. Yeah, yeah like he, um, yeah, because the narrator will interject with commentary, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes they'll be all-knowing, and yeah. then at other times they're like, yeah, this character put this thing in his pocket. Who knows what he did with it? Not me. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> you know like yes you know what he did with that don't give me that bullshit (laughs) so in a um i guess a literary sense is that something that you enjoy do you like those kind of like omnipresence kind of narrations where Um, it's like either an old man reading to his young son or like some sort of god-esque creature or something along those lines uh yes and no sometimes i can find i I find it to be a little bit pandering because it's like it's the easiest way to write write something i think because you're you're basically just writing a script at that Mm -hmm. point um Mm. you're 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 relaying someone telling you a story Mm -hmm. um and there's nothing wrong with that it's just a lot of people do it because they're like well i don't know how to make this you know third person or anything yeah <laughs> i'm gonna make it third first person but the first person is not gonna have anything to do with the story yeah and it's it's interesting because like again the the narrator like gives their opinions and everything along those lines and kind of like per like um tells us like person like the character's thoughts and motivations on like particular like plot points and things along those lines 
it's 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 interesting. Um, I I think he can be good when done right, and I feel like this one does it okay. Um, again, I feel like probably the best um, example of this narration is in the Princess Bride, where you have this outside character who is reading a book and kind of giving their interpretation, knowing that this older gentleman has already read this book. Yeah. So um, I forget what the grandpa's name is, but um, they know what's happening. They, you know, have read the story. So they're more interested to see, like, the reaction of the kid than anything else. Right. Yeah, no, and, and I mean, honestly, I think that's why that movie works so well, is that they, they completely adapted yeah, that yeah. book, like, like scene for scene from the, or that, that movie, scene for scene from the book. Yeah. Um, like, even the interjections where, where the grandpa's, like, fucking with the kid. Um, yeah. Where he's like, well. Like, well, I guess it's too scary for you, and he's like, yeah, oh, I'm it's not too scary. It. Oh, well. <laughs> we'll put this book up because I don't think you can deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> but no. Um, but yeah, no. So, so uh, one of the other things that I like about this, and I, uh, they're hit or miss for a lot of people because I've heard people say those drawings look dumb, but there are illustrations littered throughout this book. <laughs> yeah, um, the drawings are kind of, uh, and I, I know what kind of aesthetic like Stephen King trying to go for it. it's that old like again they token look like a D manual yeah yeah <laughs> like the old school like first edition dmd like mm-hmm. you have a wonky looking dragon with some like wonky looking people yeah yeah well and i'm looking at uh like it looks like they were purposely done that way like because the guy who did it was was a like a legit illustrator um <laughs> He lived in and worked in the Hamptons. I don't know if you know what the Hamptons are, but they're a place in New York State where all of the rich people go to party in the summer. Um, mm. Like houses are like worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, he also had a place in Jamaica and a place in France. Wow. Yeah, no, um, I did not know that. Yeah, so like he was a legit artist, uh, unless he came for money, uh, <laughs> mm. which it doesn't look like he did um but yeah no like they have this feeling of like like you were saying like the first edition D D books where it's like hey we know this kid who can draw on his notebook pretty cool in yeah. in math class how about he uh do some some artwork for this this monster manual here yeah how about we uh, do some art um, and they're they're slightly more detailed it's just the the proportions look weird like if you if you pull up the wikipedia page there's this picture of flag um confronting peter in the mm-hmm. tower and he's holding the mace that steve that, that king describes that's like it's like got two axe heads on it and it's got three mace heads on it yeah and then the way it's illustrated it looks real fucking weird it does <laughs> it doesn't look it like anything doesn't look good <laughs> So yeah, I don't know if that was the art, the the artist being like, mm, "This is what this would look like." Yeah, <laughs> it's also balanced very strangely because it looks like flag is holding it between two fingers. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just very Which weird is all in general. Kind of unsettling and kind of works with that character because um, yeah, uh, I don't know if you've ever read the stand, but but Randall Flag features heavily in that and in the dark tower yeah yeah so um i'm not as versed in the steven or yeah the steven universe yeah um i I was saying steven universe and then i was like oh that's a show that's actually a show (laughs) yeah the stephen king universe um but like i could tell that there were hints of like these are other characters from like other stories and stuff like that. So yeah, that was yeah. one of my questions that I wanted to ask you um, was, was there any particular character that like makes a cameo? Because 
I know Stephen King loves his cameos. So I, yeah, like this, this is one that I'll say is probably the most connected. This is a book that's most connected to the dark tower without actually being a part of the dark tower. Like, Mm. um, well, let me think about how to rephrase it. So, so like this book, has characters in it that pop up later in the dark tower series but all of his works do because all of his works encompass it this one like the dark towers is kind of like the hub right it's more of like the nexus that connects all of these particular worlds yeah and so so like everything yeah and so everything that stephen king has ever written um he says is part of the dark tower Right, okay. because okay. it's like a multiversal type linchpin to, to yeah. Okay. Um, so like <clears throat> in the notes that I was going through, there's so flag. Obviously, he's in the stand. He's directly tied to the Dark Tower, and um, you know, in the the second, oh, I forget which what the names are of, of them. So I'm just going to say Dark Tower Two. Dark um, Tower Two. <laughs> you know, at the end of this, when Thomas and Dennis, um go out and have adventures and, and the, the narrator is just like, yeah, we don't know what happened to them, but they, they lived a, a, a fun life of adventuring. <laughs> um, yeah. and they come back, uh, in the second one, which kind of delves into Roland's backstory a little bit, oh, um, as okay. a young noble. And so he, like, he interacts with them, I think in, um, Gilead, mm-hmm. um, in the fourth one, there's a character named Rhea of the coos, um and so that that character who's named in here appears in dark tower four um, mm-hmm. as an antagonist um and then funnily enough i think king kind of sneakily shoved the cthulhu mythos into his dark tower universe because um it, i don't know if you you remember the part where flag is kind of in his laboratory and he's he's reading yeah but the book he's reading is very clearly the necronomicon and, <laughs> and he mentions that you can't read it for too long um without risking oh, yeah. going insane and he mentions that it was written by al hazred which in the hp lovecraft universe the um you know necronomicon was written by the mad arab al hazred mm-hmm. so um yeah, no, like he's. This book is filled with references to his other things, um, yeah, and even things that are that are unrelated. Um, and it's just it's interesting to see how he works all of those things in to the greater mm. thing. Like, I kind of want to do a like book for book rereading of Stephen King and be like, okay, where does this pop up? Because kind of like, get your cork board out with your like strings with and everything. String. Yeah, because yeah. Like, he there like he will even in just passing references like bring up like oh yeah uh cujo oh yeah you know, color car <laughs> truthfully i'm sure there's probably a website for that or somebody oh, there probably is yeah somebody has has done that like work oh uh, yeah I'm, someone's I'm sure yeah yeah someone's sure down the road for me to walk down on that one. yeah <laughs> it's just you finding that road yeah but but coming back to this book um I, I actually really enjoyed this book. Um, yeah. It doesn't have a lot of um, Stephen King's um, harder horror aspects. This is pretty much like legit, like a fantasy, a fantasy story. Yeah. Um, between oh, yeah. like brothers, like good and evil. I also really kind of enjoyed the magic where it's more of soft magic than actual hard magic where it's very much like again going back to token more hand wavy like magic happens where again going back to the um the napkins like this particular dollhouse is magically inclined where it just produces endless napkins yeah 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 well and and um the uh yeah the magic in here is really interesting like there's there's um a scene where flag is sneaking around Mm -hmm. and it describes him um casting basically an invisibility spell 
I really like how the narrator then interjects and breaks it down and goes, now what he was actually casting doesn't make him invisible. It just makes him dim. And so people are unsettled to be around him. And so they just like subconsciously don't see him. It's not that he's actually invisible. Yeah. Which I think, yeah, is really cool. And I do find that type of magic interesting. I find both types of magic interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and like I think it's also very funny that um, you know, Flag is is someone that constantly pops up in Steam, Stephen King works. But even in this one, like there's this timeline of him having shown up as like the king's beheader like 500 years earlier. Yeah. Um, and so like I get the sense that Flag just kind of dabbles in things because he's immortal because he's not like he's very conniving. And he obviously can use magic, but it it doesn't seem like he's super powerful with it. Like when when he's going to kill Peter, yeah. Like he grabs an axe and just murders some guards and runs up this tower. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kind of like um, uh, uh, oh, what is his name? The dad in um in The Shining chasing. Oh, yes. Um. Like when he's Why? in the ho- the hotel and he's swinging the um the came out like down the walls and he's just like shouting at him yeah like I'm coming for you uh, like uh, well. the um the, the the you know flag doesn't cast go in and cast any spells or anything he you know has this weird looking axe and it's just like I'm coming Peter well, I'm coming get you yeah I'm coming for you <sighs> um. But yeah, like I, I kind of want to play a, a like a a D and D game set. I mean, it, it wouldn't be D and D because there's actually magic in that. But yeah, um, there's like set rules for magic. Yeah, for like I get things. I get more of like a burning wheel fill from yes, this. same same. Where it's more of like an um, epic sort yeah. of because most of the because um, there isn't really much like fighting combat sort of style and everything along those lines but the it's more like machinations and and secrets and stuff like that (laughs) yeah subterfuge and whatnot um but like all the characters are are like enjoyable characters like yeah um and i feel like maybe some of their personalities are um over exaggerated like be evil just to be like evil yeah i i'm not sure if you got that kind of feeling as well um well so really the only character i don't because like flag is interesting even though i don't like him as a character um Mm -hmm. because he is immortal and it like everything to do with flag just kind of acts as world building Mm -hmm. for the rest of the 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 you the the Steven Universe, the Kingiverse. Uh, <laughs> I know. I keep on wanting to say Steven Universe as well. I'm like, no, wait, that's a show. <laughs> um, yeah, the only character I really don't like reading about. Uh, well, no, I take that back. Actually, I I like reading about the people that are not the main characters because Peter is so lawful good that he's yeah. kind of dumb. Yeah, and that's what I was kind of getting at was like it they're so like their personalities are akin to like good and evil um they're very much like the polar opposites um the brother and um uh, both brothers um yeah peter and thomas yeah yeah. well so thomas is interesting i mainly don't like him because there's a scene where he like throws a rock at a dog yeah (laughs) and connects and just like like tortures his dog but like but like he is evil like there is you know he is chaotic i mean he's kind of he's kind of molded yeah like i would say more neutral evil if we're using the the like nine quadrant thing because Mm -hmm. he like he wants to be a good kid and his dad so very clearly favors his older brother like it's it's kind of disgusting how much um his uh king roland i think um oh yeah yeah roland. favors mm-hmm. favors peter um but i mean part of it is because peter 
acts like you know the quote-unquote good son and like brings him a glass of wine before like he like peter makes efforts to maintain a a relationship and then thomas just doesn't like he's Mm -hmm. he's kind of dumb yeah um so yeah i don't know the the two brothers i don't really like reading about them so much as like the rest of the world Um, yeah yeah what do you think about king roland um i think he's definitely an interesting character to introduce um so roland for for people i don't know why you would be listening to this this far in if you had not read this book but um yeah roland is is peter and thomas's father he's much older yeah he's much older than his wife um who flag arranges a marriage between it, kind of for political reasons but also because flag just wants to like get his fingers and all the dirty little pies mm-hmm. um and so he he arranges this marriage so that um he gets kind of a uh demure you know overly submissive and deferential wife who's not gonna like rock the boat or anything or like stand up to him and that's not really what happens like because yeah. roland is such yeah i think he writes in there that because roland is is like 40 or 50 years older than yeah. um and he's never been married before yeah. um and so i think the writer kind of or the 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 narrator kind of works in this like yeah a lot of people thought he may have been gay <laughs> um yeah yeah because like the and and it could have just been like an ed problem because mm-hmm. you know he's 50 or 60 years older than his his yeah. wife i mean but, he just seems like a, a generally okay guy like he yeah. enjoys his drinking he enjoys well, his yeah hunting. i mean that's how he had to get um uh erect enough to have peter is that flag had to make him a, a magic drink and then yeah and then like you know peter became such a beloved um and and willful uh like natural leader type character that mm. flag was like "Ooh, i'm gonna have to kill him at some point yeah this this didn't work out the exact way that i wanted it to yeah and well and then uh you know roland kills a dragon and eats its heart uh, the last dragon I think yeah. doesn't the narrator say it's the last dragon in the land? Yeah, but the narrator I feel can be a bit um, <laughs> hit or miss. Well, uh, not always telling the truth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and unreliable. So it's, it's presented yeah. as the last dragon because, yes. like, like everything else, the the Dark Tower is is kind of a. It's a book on entropy and nihilism in in some ways, and so all of the realms are kind of they use the euphemism of moving on but everything's just kind of fading and becoming worse Mm -hmm. um and so like the dragons like this is the last dragon and roland kills it eats its heart and then has sex with his wife because like it gives him this fiery passion right and then so she receives thomas um and then flag has machinations where finally sasha um dies like he he like flag and this is where the burning wheel bits come in like flag doesn't directly kill her but he he gets leverage over the the doula or the midwife yeah and gives her basically a razor blade and says okay cut her here after she's given birth because she's not going to feel it and she's just going to bleed out very quickly yeah and so she does it (laughs) yeah yeah and so yeah from from there um you know roland gets very sad um i love the bit also the the dumb dumb illustration where roll where a flag is is uh thinking of of poisoning the king mm-hmm. um and he has this fat spider that he's just been constantly poisoning and like making more poisonous and more yeah. poisonous and it was so poisonous that like he has to change out the cage because the poison drips from the fangs and will burn through the the, the uh, actual cage yeah the cage itself 
and he like he has to wear a a uh, a gauntlet to squeeze it up into the the glass right for poison mm. that's magic so a gauntlet of protection yeah <laughs> and then his hand is still swollen after he uses that. <laughs> that magic item to protect himself from it. Yeah. Um, and then he just ultimately ends up dumping it down the drain because he's like, wait, if I do this, like it's it's going to be clear who, who killed him. I need to Yeah, kill him. I wonder like what's up with that spider? I I love the illustration of it because it looks like a tomato with a very tiny face. Yeah. In the middle of, of a gauntleted spiked like chainmail fist yeah <laughs> it's such a such a good such a illustration dumb illustration yeah um the so yeah the way he actually kills roland is way worse and with with uh sands from a faraway land that like no one knows about that he has to keep spelled and um stuff from from like eating out of their container uh, mm-hmm. But he puts like two or three grains of this sand in Roland's drink, and then Roland starts like getting so hot that bed sheets catch on fire. Yeah, which um, again is kind of like a cool magic, like yeah, esque sort of feel. Yeah, like I really like the the description, even though it's horrific. The the yeah. descriptions of of what this poison does because it it basically makes him burn from the inside. Burn from the out. outside, yeah. yeah. He starts breathing smoke and and you know finally extinguishes. <laughs> um, yeah. And Peter's blamed for the murder, put in a in the tower because he's noble, so you can't you know you can't put him in the with all of the low lives. You got to put him in the needle. Well, so so this is actually pulled from like real life. So England had this thing where they, you know, you couldn't execute a noble. Oh. So you would have to like basically put them in jail for life. Yeah. Um, they would just have people bring you food and you're just in your cell or whatever. And, you know, the French kind of had that whenever nobility would go to jail. Um, if they knew people who would be willing to pay for them to have food brought in that's how they would eat otherwise like the state didn't provide shit so if you oh, don't know anyone really? you would just starve to death you just wow yeah, <laughs> yeah. um but yeah so so peter's there for i forget how many years um yeah it's quite a while uh but yeah no like they, there's kind of a it's not really a kangaroo court that that um that convicts peter um the judge is just kind of like the general like chief justice of of the city mm-hmm. um which i like him um like he's he is a good example i think of lawful good in the yeah like where he's, he's just like trying to follow the code yeah like he's he, like at a certain point he's pressured he's pressured to convict um peter or let peter go based on some specious reason and he's like no if you if you force my hand to do this i will retire like i'm i'm not yeah i'm not doing I'm not this. betraying the, the the power of my office right yeah like i have some integrity left in me i'm not right. going to but he he does this brief um there's a brief tri- trial and the judge looks at all the evidence and and convicts peter anyway um and puts him in in the needle in the center of the city flag meanwhile has befriended thomas and so now he's just whispering these things in thomas's ear trying to fill yeah thomas is super young still like 12 or 13 yeah he's not the age of majority yet i don't think i think that's why he has to have an advisor yeah and you know it doesn't have that kind of experience it kind of like looks towards uh flag for information and like advice yeah, which you know, flag I think is actively fomenting revolution because he like he increases the tax rate to like eighty yeah. percent, some ridiculous amount. Yeah, um, which I mean, don't get me wrong, I wish there was an eighty percent tax rate on the ultra wealthy, but of that's course, another yeah. thing. Um, I mean, you've got to have it scaling though. You can't. Yeah, you can't tax eighty percent of people like me because i do not <laughs> i do not make very much money um, the uh 
yeah, like you got to look at, at people that make you know millions of dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the but, uh, the rocket ship, the penis rocket ship people. God, yeah, the people that that make rocket ships that that try to actively fuck space. <laughs> um, <laughs> so gross. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so the judge convicts Peter because Flag has stolen a childhood items of Peter's um, and hidden the packet of uh, poison and and sprinkled some of it out of it like it was an accident. Um, yeah. And, you know, servants are like, what's this thing smoking in Peter's closet? Oh, it's this box that he hasn't seen for, for years. They yeah. don't know that. But it's just a box that's like in his closet or in his drawer, um, and it's smoking. And they're like, "Huh, this looks like poison." This seems what did you strange. do, Peter? And yeah. Peter's like, I haven't seen that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's 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 very not um, convincing because he's a child and he's you know not in yeah. the right headspace. And so it sounds like someone going, "I don't know what that is." Yeah, because I don't I don't know who that is in my sock drawer. Box that, like, he, so it's got his name on it, but he, I, he either lost it or, I mean, Flag stole it, obviously, but like in his mind, he had either lost it or maybe he was too young to remember. How. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it, you just like forget about like when, important things when you're young. Yeah. But like, it, it's funny. It, like, it is a, a stroke of genius, I think, because the way it comes off is, especially given the situation a prince magically has this poison that is real close to what the the, the king died of yeah it's yeah. like hmm who benefits the most here uh, uh, because it's called in to look at it because yeah the the guard don't know what to do with it and yeah uh you need to have your men leave and not breathe this stuff and act like you know he doesn't know what it is or no, he knows what it is, but he's never like interacted with it. Yeah. Which to me would beg the question, how did Peter get his hands on it? But <laughs> you know, yeah, that's true. That, that never comes up um, mm -hmm. with anyone there. Um, and then, yeah, like Peter basically over the course of so many years, um, he, you know, writes the judge a letter and, and um, doesn't, bribe him but but the judge arranges for him to provide a certain amount of silver so that he can pay off um people who would take napkins from the storehouse of of uh it's kind of like a wpa project that the um the kingdom had done years before to keep people employed is they just had them making napkins yeah, right? yeah. there's just a warehouse of napkins just a bunch of them um Peter also has his mother's um, dollhouse brought in, which is like a masterwork magic item, like you were saying, that, that mm -hmm. has uh, um, like working appliances. So like Peter basically uses the loom that's in this, this uh, dollhouse and will secret away three or four strands from the napkin yeah. uh, make, oh, to make oh. a rope. To, to escape um i do like the bit where the narrator point like is explaining where these napkins are coming from and how peter's very careful to only take like two or three strands because he doesn't want to get found out what he's doing. yeah yeah um and then the narrator zooms out a minute and tells you the story of like oh yeah people like there was a warehouse of these um some of them could have very easily been moth eaten had he waited longer um <laughs> no one would have noticed if he had taken more Oops. yeah he uh he basically went slow for his own good but you know yeah, yeah. Good for him. <laughs> um and then yeah from from there um uh the peter's friend finds more and more evidence of what flag was doing um and uh what is the span of time i think it's like five years right yeah it takes him to, to make this rope it makes this rope yeah um at some point flag becomes a or is revealed uh to be 
this demonic force. Yeah. Um, Thomas then reveals that, uh, you know, Roland, the, the father, uh, was an avid hunter and he had the dragon's head mounted on the wall. Um, mm-hmm. That had, yeah, this is where the eye comes into play. Yeah, so so at a certain point, Flag uh, in Thomas's childhood teaches him about the secret passages in the castle. Mm-hmm. Um, probably Flag knows these probably because he knows when they were being built. Um, and Thomas finds his way behind the dragon and can look through the eyes and sees Flag poison. Yeah. And so Thomas reveals all of this now. Um, uh, I think Flag Flag gets shot in the face, right? <laughs> like because Thomas is more inclined with a bow and arrow, like his father. Yeah. He, sh- I think he shoots him in the eye with an arrow. Yeah. Um, Which is. And odd. then Flag just disappears, and and it wraps up very quickly. Like this is a book that to it, me, it's it it's paced feel... very strangely because like there's a lot of action at the very end in a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. but a lot of it is just like these things that are building and growing over the course of like 300 pages. Um, yeah. Because at like, the end, after the fight, um, flag just kind of magics himself away. I'm going. Yeah. Um, and then Peter is declared the King. Um, Thomas, who no one likes anymore because of his insane fucking tax rate. Yeah. Um, leaves with his butler uh and they want to hunt down flag and murder him uh and then the narrator just says that they find him and confront him but they they yeah that's you it. don't you don't know what happens after that presumably they either kill him or are killed killed yeah um yeah it, it's a little bit of an anticlimactic uh ending for yeah. for me but uh, so, so i didn't know if it was like trying to set up for a a sequel no i don't think so yeah he now now the the interesting thing about this is i think it could be very easily um adapted Mm um uh and like you know i was looking it up and it just never has been made so like so it's been optioned a couple of times, but then usually the option goes into turnaround and the rights revert back to the right holders. Um, uh, okay. the, so there was supposed to be a $45 million animated film oh, to be, be released in 2001. Yeah. Um, it never went into production and the rights lapsed. Um, mm-hmm. In 2012, the sci-fi channel purchased the rights uh, to do like a mini series which honestly is how i think this would work best yeah if you do a movie uh, you'd have to rush a lot of it yeah if you do a mini series like that's the perfect like three or four episodes like bang on that that's fine yeah um, i think that would uh, work well for this format yeah um and then in you know 2019 hulu was going to adapt it with seth graham smith um as the showrunner for like a, a tv show seth graham smith if people don't know he wrote um i mean he's more of a screenwriter now but he did uh abraham lincoln vampire hunter and uh pride and prejudice and zombies yeah or the two books for where he got his start um but you know he he announced in september uh 2020 that yeah, this project's dead. Um, no one's working on it, and the people who are in charge of it keep changing, and it's it's yeah. dead. Like we can't agree on a on a budget. I, yeah, I wonder how um, uh, hands on Stephen King would be with uh, with that book because usually he's pretty hands off with most of his like adaptions. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Of... He's he's um, he. He's kind of like, he's the better case scenario of what Alan Moore, because like Alan Moore will sell the rights to his project and then actively tell people not to go yeah. see it because it sucks. Like yeah. before it comes out, like he did the same thing for V for Vendetta. He was just like, yeah, I sold this, the, the, the rights to the studio. Um, so it'll have than... a shitty movie that you yeah. probably shouldn't see. You should read my book instead. Whereas Stephen King will like, 
he'll sell the rights to it and just be like, yeah, man, that was fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Not like actively encourage people to see things necessarily, but just be like, yeah, I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> and actually watch it. Yeah. What yeah. A- like he has this thing called the dollar babies that I don't think he does anymore where um, if you are a, and it's not for commercial reasons. Like it's like, you can't like screen it and make money from, from it. But mm-hmm. It's a thing he he has set up where he will license um, to like film students, for example, or amateur filmmakers who who want to like make a fan film. Hmm. Um, he he will license them the rights to like whatever for a dollar. Oh, um, that's the, awesome! But yeah, like the condition is they can't make any money from the film. Um, okay, so it's mainly students do it that that have done it before. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean and, that is sense. Yeah, like you can't you can't screen it to, to make money, um, and you have to give him a copy of it when you're done. Okay. And yeah. he has he has a little shelf of them of just the <laughs> of random of, little of random student productions, uh, which honestly I think is a really good idea. Let's okay, see. Oh cool, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So the Dollar Baby is an arrangement. Uh, he gives permission to students and aspiring filmmakers to adapt to short stories for a dollar. He retains rights to the work, um, uh, and he he does it as a way to like pay it forward to the next generation. Um, and I'm looking here; production budgets have ranged from a few hundred dollars to like sixty thousand. That's yeah, that's great. Wow, um, film. and they're from home home video to professional thirty five millimeter film. Um, that's awesome. It was his introduction. I'm some of these like home videos that are like. Three hundred dollar productions of like, yeah. This well, band. Like, well, like sometimes it works out because like, so it it was revealed by King that like Frank Darabont, you know, the guy that I don't know directed the Shawshank Redemption and mm. uh, was the original showrunner for The Walking Dead. Um, he met him because of the Dollar Baby program. Oh, like Frank oh. Darabont was twenty. Oh. I'm looking here. He was 20 years old and adapted the woman in the room. Um, they released it on VHS, uh, in 1986 with permission of, of, uh, Stephen King, but releasing like the night shift collection. And that's a story in there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like there's, there's a handful that people know about a lot of them. People don't, um, I'm trying to see. Yeah, there was one that actually came out in 2022 called Kane Rose Up. Um, That's from, from Skeleton Crew. So yeah, like it's it's an interesting it's an interesting little program that he's done. Um, yeah. I don't know I if that's... that's something he would be interested in doing for this. And I don't know the I don't know what the budget for something like this would be because I'm yeah, because I a mean a lot of it is narration though, so like I mean you could do it in like four or five locations. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the locations would be the hardest part. There's a lot of like city esque and sort of like you would have to find yourself a good castle. Uh I mean you could CG that. Yeah, I guess. I think. I mean, it, it would look weird, but I mean, you could. Or maybe you could find your basement and just put up like some fake brick walls or something like that. Yeah, I mean, doing Flag's laboratory would honestly be the easiest. You just call around people and be like, "Hey, do you have a bunch of junk in your basement?" Do yeah. You <laughs> Do you have a bunch of random fucking magazines on bookshelves that we can make look like can spell we? books? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> Let's shoot here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much the book. Um, you know, I I uh, did you have any last things that you wanted to say about the book um, before we get into ratings? No, I mean, I, I feel like we covered the majority of what I wanted to say and everything yeah Um, okay yeah well i um yeah i gave this book a b plus um it's it's not one of his best books um but it's one that i think i was telling you pre-roll that like i've read it like five or six times like it's yeah it's a quick book it's paced 
well enough that you can be done with it in like a day if you just like sat on the beach or sat by the pool because that's the mm-hmm. type of book it is like it's, it's very not much just a beach like book, yeah yeah like it's not like a like a dense um you know layered... dark sort of thing yeah where yeah when you're reading it you know you gotta put it down and be like i gotta process some things yeah yeah like there, there's some yeah. books like um well, stephen king writes that yeah you have to put it down and you're like uh i gotta like think I... about stuff <laughs> Yeah, like, like this, this is very is... much a popcorn chip sort of yeah. deal. Yeah. yeah, it's uh so yeah, like I, I give it a B plus. I recommend people read it if they like um fantasy or fairy tales. Um, because it has that feel, especially like if, if you like grim fairy tales, like it, it reads like a Grimm's fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I also gave it a B plus. I um yeah, I I think it's again, I think it's one of kings so it's it's not it's not like normal like king writing it's it's not like his normal story so i feel like it's a little bit easier to kind of get into because it's not as like horror-esque and if you're not a big like horror fan maybe give this one a try and be like oh i kind of like stephen king's writing you know, as I'm reading this book, maybe I'll branch into a couple of his other books or things. I, I feel like this is a good gateway book. And again, it's a, it's a fairly easy read. Um, oh, yeah. It's, an, it's a, again, a, a book that you don't really have to put down the process like some of his other books like The Stan and um, Pet Cemetery and things along those lines. Yeah. Um, and it... it, it I feel like it's very much, and this isn't a, um, a criticism, but it's kind of a watered down Stephen King. Like, it's it has a lot of like the high points of Stephen King's writing, but you don't have to be like a big horror fan. Like, I actually, and I know longtime listeners know that i'm not like super into horror like i do enjoy a good horror book but um i felt like this is probably in my top three of stephen king books yeah yeah well wow okay well good i'm glad i called that because i know you're not a huge huge horror fan um, yeah but i was just like well you like fantasy and this isn't really horror (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it's it's good fantasy it really is um again I know I made the comparison, but it does uh, remind me a lot of like Tolkien's writing, where it, it's it's more of like this intrigue where with, between these like two brothers, um, it's high fantasy, and it's more on the aspect of not like these epic battles that um, that Tolkien writes of like you know the um, the battle of. Um, Helm's Deep. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. It's more, um, uh, again, cloak and dagger sort of deal. Yeah, and and I I I enjoy that. I enjoy sort of a um, a book that can do that, that can give me that aspect. Um, yeah. So so I enjoyed it. I I gave it a, a solid B plus. I would recommend it. Oh, awesome. Um, in I, you I know in the vein thing. of that like don't expect all of stephen king's books to be like this no no like this is um definitely a a diversion from his normal writing yeah yeah well and and it's funny i i'm always happy when we can kind of agree on the rating because i always get mad when i'm like yeah i gave this a b plus and you're like "Mm, i give this a d (laughs) i hated it (laughs) no No, I um I, I really enjoyed this book. I did. Um uh I, my my bread and butter is is fantasy. I enjoy some good fantasy and good sci-fi and this really hit that kind of um itch for me. So I would I would recommend it. I would recommend it for like a good um easy, breezy uh read. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I know. I was, I was trying to. I was going to see where I was going to take that, but I was like, ah, just leave it easy breezy. Beautiful <laughs> cover. 
Uh, Cover girl. Yeah. Cover book. Um, yeah, okay. Well, with that, we will um, proceed with our book clubs. The next one is Stewart's pick, which is uh, Neil Stevenson's 1992 novel Snow Crash. Yeah. That should um, be an interesting one. Yeah, I talked about it a few episodes ago um, during a... I think I spoke about it with you mm-hmm. during a me, me, me section. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, I'm, I can't wait to reread this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I am just, totally going to reread this cause it's, it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. And, um, this is going to be the first time that I'm reading the book. So, Oh, you've I, never read it before. I have not. So oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm using this as an excuse to read it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I've I've heard of things about this book, so I'm I'm interested to uh, dive deep into it. Yeah, well, yeah, no, this this will be fun then. Yeah, um, yeah, well, so yeah, keep your eyes out for that in a few weeks. Um, the next episode, we're going to stay on a fantasy theme. Uh, Richard and I are going to discuss the Green Knight film that Ooh. came out a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, did which... you did you watch it on a? a screen or like a tv uh did you watch it in theaters or did you watch it at home oh no i didn't i i'm still not going to the i haven't been to the theater is, since 2019 i think avengers yeah. endgame was was the last theater was the last theater experience yeah. um which is a few years ago but yeah no mm-hmm. i i just got it through amazon um because i have okay. a nice big tv that is 4k so yeah. <laughs> i was just I like mean, yeah this is fine i'll just watch it on the uhd version <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh yeah have, have you seen it i i have not oh okay yeah i haven't gone I to the theater it. in a while either i think the last one i saw in a theater or the last movie i saw in the theater was um the spider-man movie um oh uh no way home yeah no way yeah. home yeah which i highly recommend yeah yeah that I, one's actually really good Yes, and it feels like it made the other Spider-Man movies better. Oh yeah, as well. But I'm not going to spoil anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Yeah. Well, with that, uh, we will see you guys next time. Um, on Dragon Ball Z. No, on, on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> on the yeah. feed, where all we do is just yell. The entire episode, you <laughs> only just see us yelling, powering up. Powering that would be up. it. That'll be a banger. Just pumping up. Just put a mic in a gym and record the grunts of someone like pumping large amounts of iron. Not me. I'm going to be in the corner with a muted mic eating chips. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, we can we can do that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.